Welcome to the Canva guided meditation for stress at work. Impending deadline? Generate Canva presentations in seconds. So fast. Brainstorm got too big? Summarize with AI in a click. Writer's block? Release with Canva Magic Write. Magical. Stress less and save time at canva.com. Designed for work. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Believe in the Business of Fitness. I am your host, The Coach, and today I bring to you a very special guest from Over the Pond and Tim Brownson. Tim is an accomplished author and life coach who started full-time coaching in 2005. But as you can tell from the show description, everything did not start off so smoothly for Tim, and he had to learn and coach himself up in the ways of marketing and in values. You are in for a special treat as always. Before we get started, make sure that you share and comment and like these episodes and broadcast them across your social media networks. Your continued listenership and those shares really do go a long way for us to continue to bring you hard-hitting guests like Tim. And just to be you know, completely honest here, my intro is not going to do Mr. Brownson enough justice. He has done so much in his career that there's no way I could possibly cover it. I mean, he's written, you know, well over half a dozen books. He's generated well over a million dollars in his sales career. He has coached countless individuals to becoming more than six-figure owners in their respective practices. It's just best if I let him tell his story. Roll it. Okay. Well, Tim, um, like I said before, man, it's great finally getting to sit down and talk to you. I've been looking forward to this for a long time. Um as a lot of our guests already know, uh, previous guests, the, a lot of them, they have their own coaches that coach them through various situations on how to sell and be successful in business. So um, it's a pleasure to have you on, even though you don't have an extensive health background, all the skills that we're going to talk about are easily transferable. So welcome today. Thanks, Ian. It's, it's my pleasure to be here. Yeah. So, um, Tim, uh, just to get started, why don't you give our listeners kind of a little bit of intro about yourself and um, kind of maybe some of your educational background, a little bit of your work experience. Okay, well, a little bit to my work experience. I'm 60, mate. We could be going on for the next half hour just talking about my work experience. So, predominantly, I was in sales for 20 years. Um, I left an educational background. I actually, this is unusual for this day, I left school at 15. But uh, I had no clue what I wanted to do. But anyway, I went in, drifted into sales. Most people in sales drifted into sales. And then did really well for my, the, the, between sort of 1995 and 2005. But then I just got burnt out. I knew we were moving to the US from, from the UK. And uh, I'd read a lot about coaching. So I took my coach training in, in 2005. And then about five, six months before we moved to the US, I just quit. I just walked out of my job. I just had enough one day, much to the surprise of my wife, who <laughs> didn't even know it. Like she knew I probably wasn't going to do sales in America, so I'm going to be a coach. And uh, we moved to America to Florida in 2006, February, and I started up coaching then. And I'm, I'm still doing it. But now I've sort of dri- drifted between sort of 2012, 2014, that period. I started to drift, work with more and more coaches because I, I'd, 
done well with my business and they could see my profile online and basically just say, can you teach me how to do what you've done? And then more and more and more coaches came to me and I really enjoyed it. It was really before coaching exploded, like like it, to the point where it is now. And um, that, that's what I'm doing now. But we moved back to the UK um, during the pandemic, which is fun, with two Dobermans. Uh, that was an absolute nightmare. I lived in six different houses in six months. It was just couldn't find anywhere to, to live. Um, my father-in-law was very sick and then subsequently he passed away. And it was just a very, very tumultuous time. You know, and a lot of people were going through a lot of stuff uh, then, obviously. Um, and now we, we, uh, we're back. And I, you know, I, I miss the Florida weather. Really, really miss the Florida weather. But other than that, it's kind of kind of good good to be I'm back into back into the flow now in the UK. Well, that's a lot to unpack there. Um, yeah. So I take it you're, you're. I know you don't have any kids, so your Dobermans are like your kids. No. Yeah, kind of. I mean, you say that to people. It's like, you know, my my dogs are my kids, and they're you don't have to you know pay to put a doberman through college, you know. But um, yes, yeah, I guess. I mean, I've not I've no reference point. We've never had kids, but yeah. I mean, my my day is. You might hear the youngest one whining a bit because she thinks mum and mum's home and she's not. But um, you know, my day kind of my work day kind of revolves around them when I'm going to take, you know, I take them, try to get into, I mean, we're very fortunate where we are. So I'm 20 minutes from some of the most beautiful beaches in the U- in the UK. I'm five minutes from moorland. I'm five minutes from woods and streams and stuff. And, you know, so my day revolves around them and, and I can go here and let them out. It's not like Florida where you're thinking, holy crap, there's not a gate around the corner or a snake in that bush that they've just gone into so um you know and, and then um yeah work, work from home which is which is great and, and take them out first thing in the morning come and get my work done then i'll take them out in the afternoon and then um yeah it's, it's just very peaceful in the middle of nowhere and just do my stuff well, before we uh, dive a little bit more into kind of more the recent work, let's let's touch on your way of sales. Um, I didn't know you left school at fifteen, which is uh, it's very interesting considering my educational philosophy now. Of right. of um, you don't need to go to college to be successful if you know what you want to do if you have a, a passion. But you actually didn't. You know, I'm not familiar with the school system in the UK, but um, it sounds like you didn't even finish. I guess you call it primary school, right? Oh no! Primary, no, no. Um, secondary school. Pr- primary school is is like you know uh, six, six to six to eleven year olds. Um, no, the, sim- the system is very similar to the, to the US here. Yeah. I, I think the difference in the UK, although it's probably not a big difference now, actually, it used to be that that a lot of people would leave in what we call fifth year, which was fifteen. I mean, I was I was almost sixteen, so it was the summer. I was sixteen, you know, so. Um, in the UK, more people leave at that age, and then you can go on to do what you used to call sixth form. It's all changed now, but not as many people used to go to university in, in the UK as do in the US. But that's changed a lot, and and also in, in the UK, ironically, when I was leaving school, tertiary education, going into university, was was free. I mean, it's not now, you know. So I could have gone to university for free if I'd have stayed on at school, but. I was pretty immature, to be honest, you know, at, at that age and um, just wanted to get away from school. I actually, I hated it. You know, it's, it's the best years of your life. And not for me, I didn't enjoy school at all. I was much happier when I left. 
Well, so that's interesting. So, you know, you weren't happy with the way school was going, so you left and you found your way into sales, which um, in the intro where I talked about you had a very successful sales career. Um, how did you how did you kind of find your way into that avenue? Um, like I said, I kind of fell into it. You know, I left school. I, I was a trainee chef and, and then I went to work for a local cat. I did so many different jobs and I drove a lorry for a period of time. And then um, I was just off. It, it was with my father, actually. My father got into it. He got a job in his business just, just selling. And I went and did that. And, and I, I just, I just, the, the actual part of meeting people and, yeah, the, I, I, I used to go to a lot of like trade shows and just that wandering around and talking to people and socializing and that, that element to sales, the type of sales I was doing, I, I really enjoyed it. And I kind of outgrew that fairly quickly. And then I got offered a job at another local business. It just then you sort of, you talk to anybody that works in sales, you know, you don't have people at school planning out the sales career. You know, it's just like people see, Either they can't do anything else, or the the money is good. If you're good at sales, the money can be phenomenal. If you if you're very good at it, especially new business sales, and and that was it. It was just a, there was never any plan. It was go from one job to a a better. You know, using air quotes in terms of more money, but obviously more stress. And you know, some of the bigger sales organisations are not necessarily operating with the most amount of integrity, and and that was it. Just ticking along, earning more money and looking for the next promotion. And and, and eventually I got a job at, at Yellow Pages. This is in the 90s when the Yellow Pages were like, that was a sales job in this country to have outside of IT. My basic at that time was like £30,000, which is, you know, I don't know, $40,000. And I'm, you know, that long ago, that's my basic before commission because they took, it was hard, hard work. And, and, and that gave me the taste for, you know, buying expensive, you know, the kind of thing. You, you sort of go and drop a thousand pounds, thousand dollars on a, on a suit because you can. And, you, you know, you go to the restaurant, you don't bother looking at the right hand side. And we used to, you know, there was one year where we spent 12,000 pounds. I still remember this year. I spent the entire bonus on, because I'm a big Rams fan, uh, LA Rams originally, then St. Louis Rams, then LA Rams. I spent an entire bonus of like 4,000 pounds just going for five days to, to Phoenix to watch the Rams play the Cardinals. and But it was kind of like running away from the stress, you know, and it's like, I've got this money, let's go and de-stress, let's go and do a two-week Caribbean cruise. They don't work. I mean, you de-stress while you're there, and then you get back and, it, and it's still waste time. I'm, I'm sort of shooting off at various tangents here. I, I hope it's still well, with me. Well, no, actually, it makes sense because – a lot of our owners, they understand that sales is the lifeline of every business. If you don't under, yeah. if you haven't figured yeah. that out, well, um, <laughs> I, I don't know what to tell you. But sales is yeah. everything in business. You got to make the sales in order to, you know, sustain the business. But you mentioned you got burnout, and you you just had to you had to call it. You know, I don't want to say call it quits per se, but you decided to move to the United States and get more into coaching. So, how did that transition go? Badly, I think it's probably the honest answer to begin with, because you know it's interesting when you. I, I had this belief. There's a couple of beliefs that were going on that made it go so poorly. Um, the first one was that because I worked in sales, 
I understood marketing. Now in sales, you're often liaising with the marketing departments. We're giving them feedback from, you know, from, you know, on, on the sort of front line, as it were. So I kind of thought I knew a bit about marketing when the, the reality of it is I, I didn't. And the second sort of erroneous belief I had was that if I was a, a brilliant coach, and I'm not suggesting that I was or I am, that that would be enough for people to beat a path to my door. So I spent a lot of money on training. I just did training after training. I did, you know, I did my life coach training, which is seven months, and I did an NLP 15-day practitioner. Then I did an NLP master practitioner. Then I did another NLP master practitioner with Richard Bandler for people who know him. Then I did hypnotherapy training. Then I did timeline therapy. Then course on space. I was doing all this training thinking, well, you know, I'll get one more and I'll stick that certificate on my wall in my office and on the website and people will be, and it didn't work. So for the first couple of years, just nothing happened. It just, I kept thinking, well, it's going to tip, it's going to tip and it, surprisingly, it never tipped. And then I realised, i got to figure this out. I was actually starting, I, I was looking on Monster I mean, Monster can't have been going that long then. So I'm sort of looking, t- talking 2007, 2008. I thought, if I don't start generating clients, we're chipping away through our savings. And my wife is a saint and she was fine. Um, but, you know, it was getting to the point where I was starting to get a bit edgy. And then I like dove into online marketing by just basically finding a, a website one day on self development. And clicking on the link, and the, you know, can you remember the days? I don't know if you remember, if you're old enough, remember it. I don't want to be patronizing, but they used to have what they call a blog roll of other blogs that were similar in the sidebar, and people would share links. And I started clicking through, and I, I found this massive, like, yeah, I was, I was blogging on self development, but I didn't know why I was blogging, just for search engine SEO, search engine optimization. And I suddenly found this massive network of blogs that I didn't know existed that all knew each other in this whole, like, I don't know what even what, subculture almost. And I started getting to know these people and reach, because I'm pretty good at reaching out to people. If I don't, if I need help, I'll ask for help. If somebody asks me for help, I'll nearly always give it to them if it's things like that. So I started contacting these people and, and, and that, then I realized, hang on, these guys, and there was a, some women as well. There weren't many, to be honest. It was mainly guys. But they, they know, these people know what they're doing when it comes to marketing. So I started to learn. And then I, I kind of did a switch almost overnight of all the money I was putting into coach training. Suddenly now, all the money was going into learning marketing and hiring my own coach, which was the probably the single best decision I made was to hire my own business coach. Not because he was that brilliant, the first one, but it showed me... Yeah, you know, I did learn a lot, and I learned the necessity of having my own coach. So, in, you know, the previous, subsequent 12, 13 years, I've barely not been working with my own coach. So, uh, and then I just became obsessive about marketing because, to me, marketing is just a game. You're getting it's a game. It's like, how can I get above that person in the rankings, or how can I get more people into my social? you know, into my group on Facebook or wherever. How can I make this blog post go viral? Which I did. I had one blog post get over a million page views and crash the server several times. You know, so that, that, then it just became, oh, this is great. This is just, to, I can have a game and get clients at the same time and learn from it. So on and so forth. Yeah, and I, I'm going to tap in here too for our listeners as well. Um, you know, I'm a millennial myself. You know, I'm getting ready to turn 32 this year. But... 
for a lot of millennials, what he's talking about here, if you don't know, or I'm sorry, the Gen Zers are younger, um, think Tumblr. Tumblr was really the beginning of the blogging area, which led to the explosion in search engine optimization. Many of you know this. Uh, my specialty is marketing. Um, that blogging era really gave birth to a lot of the microsites we have now, social media, Facebook, Instagram, Clubhouse. Uh, it was originally birthed out of the Tumblr because they saw how successful it was to find your own niche or tribe. And they realized, Tim, that people were doing what you were doing. They were looking for information and they were going down the click, the, the first ever click funnels to get to where they wanted mm -hmm. to, which is now to how we kind of got to where we are now. Um, so that's that's a little bit of marketing history for all of you out there. I, I actually got paid to teach a class on this a while back. Um, but what I'm but really what really caught my eye there, too, was you already tapped into something that 90 percent of our previous guests already said you hired your own coach. Um mm -hmm. It's amazing when you're going to the board and something's not working and you go back and you try again, you educate yourself and it's not working. And I think what a lot of people, and I'm talking about myself from experience, you get to a point where you try so many different things and then you realize like you don't know what's broken. So you got to bring someone in to kind of tell you like, hey, you know, you're probably doing this right, but you're missing opportunities here or you could really focus here or maybe you're not doing something at all and that's really that's been the biggest value me having a coach um in some aspects so uh the, the parallels there are they're incredible and uh, i really do appreciate uh, i do appreciate your candor uh because i think a lot of people they just see the success and they assume that it was just overnight and uh very rarely right. does that happen yeah. No, it, 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 I don't think it, I, I just want to say it never happens. It's just, it is so rare that you can almost say it, it, it never happens, you, you know. And the thing, the thing is with marketing that a lot of people don't understand as well, Ian, is some, some of this, you know, a lot of marketing is subjective. People say, well, that's just my opinion. Well, some stuff just doesn't work. You know, so, so, so you've got some stuff that's, you know, objectively can say this is going to work if you do it and you stick with it. Some stuff is just, you know, might work or it might not. And it's having somebody there to say, you know what, there's best practice and there's things that just don't work and, and just leave those alone. You know, so there's just so many myths around SEO. SEO is just like a, a pet hobby of mine because I love it because that's the ultimate in, in competition, in beating other people. Yeah, there's so many and there's so many myths around things that people think will work that don't and you know so that's what i think a coach can give you a good coach that's got the experience is to just say look just just trust me on this don't do that let's you know let's focus on something else i'm, I'm gonna have a i'm gonna have a couple of interesting questions for you here at the end uh just just giving you a heads right. up on that revolving around seo and myths and uh just you talk about you talked about the integrity of sales earlier I think you can make an argument about the integrity of marketing um, in the last yeah, 10 yeah, years yeah. as well, too. Yeah. Uh, but let me ask something. So, you know, we're, we're talking about coaching here. What what makes a good coach in your mind? Well, I think, I mean, so, so I have to differentiate between, say, where I come from previously, which was life coaching, which is what I was trained in, and, and then what I'm doing now. So at the moment, I, I'm in very much an advisory role, so I'll slip back and forth between. And this is why I like, why I really got into this one, because I could do them. You know, with coactive coaching, you shouldn't really be advising people. So that really the, the keys to coactive coaching are you'll be able to build rapport. If you can't build rapport with anybody, then everything else is moot after that. Then you're going to be able to ask good questions. Then you're going to be able to listen. 
you've really got to be able to be okay with silence and let people come up to their own conclusions because scientifically it's proven that if we if we come to a conclusion of something ourselves on our own then we're more like we're going to value it more than somebody telling us go and do this so so when when i'm saying to clients you should do this i will never say you should do this without being able to say this is why this is why it works or so i've talked to clients for example the times I would do this with life coaching, we say that take some like reframing, which is also called cognitive reappraisal and, and, and is the bedrock of CBT, of cognitive behavioral therapy. So we know reframing works. We know there's loads of scientific data behind it now over the last 25 years with neuroplasticity that it changes the way that the, the brain's wired, the, you know, the expression that neurons are fired together wire together yeah, so we know that, the, that that it works so i will say look this is you should do this and this is why because if we don't explain to people why it's just you know it's like you get into that um parent child go to your room sort of thing or go and do this or do this you know whatever so but when we can say to people and this is why that's when you get the buy-in but when we come to the this is why ourselves it's even more powerful so uh, so the keys to being a good coach in terms of what I do is obviously it's going to be experience and knowledge. But I think the ability to ask good questions and to be able to listen, uh, and they're the skills you need in sales as well. So the exact same skills that you need in sales are the, sale, the exact the skills you need, you know, to, it's a, at a base level. I mean, it can get more technical in sales, but you understand what I mean. Of course, and like I said, we don't want to we don't want to give away all of the all of the good stuff that you have. But I mean, a lot of similarities here, um, not only from the life coaching experience that you were talking about, but just in general, what makes a good coach. So um, a lot of you, you know, you're physical fitness professionals, and obviously we have a new group of um, health coaches out there, myself included. But a lot of this should sound familiar: the ability to listen, the ability to meet your clients halfway to kind of guide them through decisions, not tell them what to do, but let them come to those decisions on your own. For all my therapist in training out there, she knows what I'm talking about. Well, uh, we, we mentioned CBT there. <laughs> um, so a lot of these things should sound familiar. So obviously we're used to taking these principles and applying it in a health and wellness model. But when it comes to being successful, most people generally have a system or a, a foundation of beliefs. And Tim, you have your own, um, the pillars of coaching. Would you mind diving a little bit into our listeners about what your pillars of coaching are? Yeah, I think the, the well, it's the pillars of, of, uh, of coaching business, I would say. The, the pillars of coaching are really what I just said, are the three, you know, which would basically be able to ask good questions, listen, and be able to build rapport. If we're talking about pillar, what I consider the pillars of marketing, so I'd you know, I'd break break them down to twelve, but the three things that I need, I think you need to be able to do. Well, one we've talked about, um, you need to be able to sell. If you can't sell, you, you're sort of dead in the water. You also need to be able to tell good stories. You need to be able to because that's how we communicate as human beings. We communicate through story. You know, we think that we're we're, we're rational, that we make decisions, we make logical decisions. We don't. We make decisions very, very quickly based on emotion, then we back it up 
by um, by facts after the event. And, and the way we tap into that emotion is through stories. And the first one, which is very sort of relevant to, to, to your listeners in, in terms of having a well, niche, as we say over here, we'll take the French pronunciation, or niche for you guys. You've got to have that niche. You know, you've got to be able to tap into who's the people that, that really gel with you. So for me, it's easy. You know, it's for the coaches. That's who I help. I'm not going to try and pitch to other people. I do occasionally have other people come to me because it's just general online marketing. I can work with them if I want to. But having that niche and knowing who your target market is all the time. And then with it under that comes the brand and the position and the messaging, the client avatar. Do you know what I mean? All that stuff that fits under it. But it, but it, that's a, to me, that's a starting point. And if you, if you can do those three things, if you've got a niche, you know how to tell stories about that and the relevance. And then you can sell. Then, you know, it's, it's gravy after that. There's a little bit more to it than that. But you know what I mean? Oh, of course. And, you know, like I said, just a quick recap. You got to be able to sell. First and foremost, majority of you, you became business owners, one, because you either know you can sell or and you've been selling or you, you were making someone else a lot of money when you could have done it yourself. At least that was my case. <laughs> now I broke out your niche. Who are who attract? Who are you naturally attracted to or who naturally comes to you, as I like to say? And of course, the third one here that you already mentioned, um, storytelling. I, I might kind of got it mixed up, but storytelling. Uh, we tell stories all the time. There was a, Tim, you probably remember this. There was a brief point in time on Facebook, Instagram, where everything seemed like a Cinderella story from a business post where it was just 40 lines and then it finished with an action button. Do you remember those those days? I do not. No. Oh, yeah. That that was a thing. And some people still do it. But every post that majority of organizations and um, even private business owners, they would pretty much tell these Cinderella stories. Yeah. And it would always finish with an action button of register yeah, yeah. here, uh, sign here, or whatever it was that they were trying to funnel their niche market to. Um, it still mm -hmm. goes on. It's just much shorter now. So. Yeah. But yeah, interesting. But it's like I said, all of these things should sound very familiar. So as we continue on, I did want to ask. So obviously you could dive a little bit deeper onto each of these levels. What would you consider your areas of expertise, though? If you had to list three things that you know you would most likely be better than anyone else that we put in the same arena with you, what would it be? Okay. I think I would sit down against anybody on the planet. <laughs> but honestly, it doesn't sound arrogant, does it? When it comes to core values. So I've written a book, The, uh, the Clarity Method, which is used by hundreds of coaches all over the world to work with their clients, which is just about how to use core values. Uh, I think for, for your people, understanding a client's values is absolutely, it's just integral because they're the, thing, they're the things that we die for. You know, they're the things that are just non-negotiable. So goals are great, knowing what goals are. But if you don't know what's underpinning those goals, you could say to me, well, I've got a goal to earn a million dollars. doesn't really tell me anything about you. You might want to you might want to go all Wolf of Wall Street and buy a load of cocaine and sail down to the Caribbean with some hookers. Or you may want to open a homeless shelter. You know, you know it's, it's different things that are underpinning that, that goal. Um, so the first thing would be, yeah, core values. Second thing would be um, uh, just 
it, it sounds ridiculous, but it's kind of like my age and my experience. You know, because I am, you know, 60 last month or oh, two months ago now. And, you know, I've got a lot of business experience. You know, I've started a number of businesses and had a lot of experience across different industries. I even owned a record store. Yeah, I was really into my dance music in the 90s. I owned a dance store, buying, selling vinyl. Yeah, I've just done so many different things like that. And then I think uh, basically writing, copywriting, storytelling. I just love that. Yeah, I just love, I use a lot of humour in my writing. I just love comedy. You know, I watch stand-up, even with the back of beyond now, right down the southwest tip. We still travel on a fairly rig. I'm driving nine hours to see an American comedian, actually, Doug Stan, open a couple of weeks. You know, so just, yeah, just t- storytelling. I, I, I'm, I feel comfortable with that. And I love copy. I love, just, again, it just comes back to telling stories and just interacting with people. I was going to say, you are a, I feel like everyone we bring on is a people person, but I can tell, well, one, uh, you're the, you're the first person I got on video while we're talking. Uh, that might be coming, (laughs) that might be coming down the pipeline later on folks. Uh, you know, everyone kind of knows I I don't make promises without a plan in place first. So, uh, don't hold me to that, but it might come down. But what I was going to say is you can tell you're really a people person. Do you think um, just thinking back to how when you when you quit school and you got into sales and you said you're just are naturally a people person, do you think that you had hidden talents back then or things that you were naturally good at that you didn't know but came to light as you got more experience? That's a good question. It's not something I've ever really thought about. I think, uh, yeah, I think just building rapport with people it's something that's always come fairly naturally and, and it, it can be a learned skill you can absolutely learn to you know for people who are shy and or introverted or whatever you certainly can learn how to interact with people a lot more effectively but i think that's something you know my dad was really a really social person yeah i, I always say i got my sense of humor off of my mum. And my work, my anxiety levels off my work, my mom, and my, but my sociability from my dad. He would talk to, he would stop and talk to anybody, and and I'm pretty much the same. I will talk to, you know, I'll just stop and chat to people randomly. My wife is quite introverted; it freaks her out sometimes. So, and I and I want to touch on something. I actually learned something. I learned something from everyone I talked to, but I really like what you said about core values because when we, at least the way I. When I make my customer avatars, um, I always try to put myself in their shoes. Like, what is it they want? Why do they do the things yeah. they do? Um, I, I really like using core values instead of goals because um, I'm pretty sure you're familiar with smart goals. You know, specific, yeah. measurable, um, attainable, realistic, and timely uh, for those out there. But I do like the I do like the core value structure because I feel like if you do that, you always keep your customer and your client and the front at all times. I think it's a little bit too easy to lose vision on them sometimes if you're always focused on the goal. Yeah. Well, you, sorry, go on, Ian. I thought oh, no, I just want to say, I want to make sure I told you that because that I really do like that approach. Well, I think you can, so, so I, I developed something back in the late noughties called Smarter Goals. Same as yours, although I had A was action-oriented rather than attainable. And the E is environmental. So environmental means how does what you want affect the people around you? 
because you know I could have a goal. You know what? My goal is to hike around the world. It's like, well, I need to think of the environment that meeting my environment. Well, how's my wife going to cope? What's going to happen to the dogs if I do that? What's the impact going to be on my friends and family? So that takes that into account. And then the R is the reward, and the reward is your values. Well, which values is this going to hit? Not the reward as in money and financial. Okay, well, my number one value is, yeah, for, for me personally, you know, my top values are humor, integrity, and uh, peace, peace of peace of mind. So it's like, well, how's it going to how's it going to achieve those? Well, it, it's it's not going to give me peace of mind because I'm going to leave my family. Okay, well, you don't do it because if if you're looking to achieve something that's out of your and this is why I got out of sales here because it and I didn't know anything about values at the time but integrity is really important to me and the the reality in sales is the bigger sales organizations and and the last one I worked for was an American company ADP automatic data processing biggest payroll outsourcing company in the world they had zero integrity certainly the what the sales office I was working out of in in Kingston, upon Thames in London. You know, it's just, so I didn't know. I thought, oh, I just need to move to another job or it's the money. It just felt wrong all the time for me. But I didn't know anything about values. If I had known about core values, then I'd like, well, this clearly isn't right for me. I need to find out a smaller business that operates with integrity or even a big one. I'm sure there are some that, that, that do. So I think that's how powerful they are. We can sometimes feel like something's wrong here. I don't know what it is. I can't put my finger on it, but something is is definitely wrong. Before we trans, (laughs) gotta love Siri. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say that's my my watch Siri. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Before I transition here. you know, I kind of want to talk a little bit about that because I feel like a lot of people who one who get in sales, but also who bounce around a lot of different jobs. There's nothing wrong with that, mm. you know, because you got to find your way. But there is always something internal that kind of, you know, when something's not right. And I think a right. lot of people, they yeah. suffocate that feeling and they kind of try to say, no, I'm just being paranoid or yeah. maybe they're getting bad advice from someone or they're taking too much advice. I've actually talked about this before. Taking too much advice can be a bad thing. Yeah. Um but the, what I really want to try and tie this into is when you're in business and even to the point where you have a few employees, whether it's two or three and they depend on you, um, those feelings can be heightened. So I guess really what I'm trying to ask here is when you when you feel that something's wrong, do you have an exercise or a method that you advocate for to kind of help bring clarity to clients or anyone in that situation? How ironic, well, not ironic or how serendipitous my book's called the clarity method and you said have you got a way or a method to get clarity i'm like yeah buy my book and it's interesting because i'm not even sure you knew i had written this book and now we're talking about it it's not like i've come on here to promote that book because that's kind of like not something i do anymore but but yeah it, it is it's just for me now um it, it it is being aware it's all about awareness isn't it because sometimes you know, with that discomfort just goes if we know why it's there. And so for me, it, it wouldn't have done. So it's in sales. If I realized, okay, the problem is this, it's a lack of integrity. Well, it could be, well, how do we, how do we get back into that state of operating with integrity? Well, it, yeah, you could get out of the industry or it may be the sales manager you're working for is, is the problem. Or it could be that company or, you know, like I say, it could be the entire industry. Um, so I think it's 
the, the first part is the awareness of thinking, of understanding what your own core values are. So for anybody, 99.9% of people on the planet, Ian, don't know what the core values are. I have done the, the core values, the clarity method with hundreds and hundreds of people. And even the people that have done like Tony Robbins values, exercise or what have you, I've never had anybody say that, well, that's a waste of time, or be even think that. Now, there's plenty of stuff I have done at coaching where I've either been told that or I've known it, but, but not core values work. It always gives people something to take away, even if it's just like, okay, well, I understand, you know, why I make these decisions or whatever. So, so, so other than taking you through the process, and like I say, you're not even aware of that, and that this is not a time and a place, uh, uh, no, it's just sitting down and asking yourself what's important so i'll give you a very quick way you can do it this isn't the way i use but it's a way to do it it's to basically say okay what's important to me in my life and then you ask yourself okay so let's suppose in the answer comes back money all right well money is not a value so you say what does money give me and then well it gives me security okay what does security give you and you keep going down if you can't go past security there you've got a value and you start again. What else is important to you in your life? What does that give you? So it's getting past the surface level. What does it give you? You know, what's important? Well, the house is important. Well, what does it give you? Well, it gives me a sense, sense of stability, maybe, or you, you know, whatever it is. So and you keep drilling down and I think you want your top eight. That's I know other people say less than that. Um, but then when you know what, they are, what those are, it's like, okay, well, this is what's important to me. Integrity is important to me. Well, if integrity is important to you, don't go and put a sales page up. But don't tell people you're running an offer and there's only three places left. Well, you know damn well you've got 103 left or whatever. So that kind of things you were talking about, marketing, that drives me nuts. Honestly, and I've fallen out with more people in our industry in self-development and that's some, some fairly big people as well, because I cannot keep quiet when I know they are BSing people. Um, you know, I've seen, I started blogging on this in you know, 2007. And like I say, I know a lot of the people that started then that are fairly big now. And there's some people out there that are really not what they're seeing. And I'm still where I am because I cannot be doing with that i cannot i'm sounding i'm sounding a bit bitter and, and, and a bit cynical but you know there's a lot of that yeah, i suppose it's when there's money involved when it comes to successful people however you define success and obviously we're, we're talking about financial right now there there's a common theme and um like i said mr brownson i don't know if you had a chance to listen to a few episodes but oh pretty much all our guests speak very candidly and they all in their one way or another they they say the same thing is if there's a lot of BS out there, there's a lot of people kind of talking out their rear end and they call them out. Obviously, you run the risk of being isolated, but also there's a reason why these people are also business owners, too, because they don't necessarily just go with the rest of the herd. Um, so I think that's also something you, have to, you also have to have is kind of the ability to take risk in the in the um, sense of knowing you might isolate yourself from some potential big fish but also we've seen a lot of big fish um in the end turn out to just be complete liars and just take millions yeah. of dollars yeah 
Yeah, and, and and that's it. You've got you've just got to be comfortable in your own skin. And you said, you know, we talked about financial success. At the end of the day, that's not the real thing, is it? At the end of the day, it's about how happy we are. You know, and 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 if you're happy, then you're happy. It doesn't matter how much money you've got. You know, it's kind of like I say that you know, we all get that money doesn't buy happiness. But if I was to run a course, Ian, and that course was how to earn a million dollars in a week, guaranteed. And you were to run a course, how to be happier in a week, guaranteed. And people believed us, genuinely believed us, I would still outsell you 10 to 1. Even if people believe, people are going to take the million dollars over the happiness because that's just how it is. Everybody gets, you know, we're using by happiness. Yeah, yeah, I get that. But they get it for other people. They don't get it for themselves more, more often than not. It's not the same with everybody, you know. And, and it's like, to me, you know, I, I, it's just not about money. I was, I'm just, I'm so not money motivated that, that, you know, but I am happiness motivated. You know, we were talking before we started, I said, you know, it's the, 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 the dogs, you know, we're talking about the dogs, the dogs come first. You know, Tim, I need to put you in for a client call at half past seven in the morning. Well, no, I'm, I'm, I can't do that. Well, I'm not going to hire them. Well, you're not going to hire them. <laughs> or you can come and explain it to two Dobermans, you know, like get yourself on a plane and come and tell them. No, I mean, that's <laughs> excellent because, like I said, there's a reason why you had to transition out of sales. You got burnt out. And yeah. we hear this so often of people who, ha- by, I'm going to say the American standards, you know, they were making the money that they needed and beyond. And they gave it up and they say, and they always say, I was miserable. Just like you were saying earlier in the show, you know, you were you were taking, you know, five thousand dollar, ten thousand dollar trips, buying thousand dollar suits and and not looking mm-hmm. at the right side of the menu. But I'm, I'm going to I'm going to put some words in your mouth here. But it kind of I think kind of you alluded to this, but you weren't really happy, happy. You just kind of. No, no, you're right. Yeah. 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 And that happens so often. So I really do think you're on to something there with the core values. And also, I want to touch back. Uh, no, I did not know about that book. Uh, but now we, now we do know. I fuck we're giving you plenty uh, of plugs for them. Yeah. <laughs> so um, as we start to wrap things up, I did want to ask you, um, what, do you what do you consider your greatest success story um, with a client? Greatest success story? Actually, I think um, if I'm going to pick out one client, it was a guy who was very senior in the US PGA Golf Tour who walked away from a job that was his um, his dream job before he got it. You know, another one of these, before on the outside, he thought it was his dream job to uh, go and travel around the US, going to a different, he aimed to go for, to a different sporting event every day of the year and then write a book about it. And I coached him for um, about three or four months, and when I got when I first started working, I am going back a few years now. This was so it's not a coach, but and 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 I, and I want to mention go back to that one because it was all based around his values. You know, his values. The, the USPGA, oh, you think, oh, that must be a great job, or you know, senior, you know, on the tour and what have you, and going all over the world. No, he was miserable. He was working sixteen hours a day and just hated it, you know. And and he had no clue what he wanted to do. And then by the end of it, he's travelling all over the US, going to like like a little league baseball game, and then he go to a lacrosse game. He figured it out. So he'd go to a different one every, every year. So. Uh, 
So yeah, I think that, and it's just it's just a nice story. It handles all the guy as well. I, I can tell by the way your face is beaming about it. I mean, at the end of the day, it's about being happy in what you do. So as I start yeah. to trans, uh, transition to this conclusion, Tim, and I, I still have a couple questions I did want to ask you. Um, sure. If there are, let's say you had to pick out five things that you would tell early coaches, what would it be? Uh, what would it be? Well, the first thing would be, it's one of the things that coaches get into. I mean, this may be more more life coaches, the people that I'm working with, have a budget. You know, there's bootstrapping it and then there's going in with literally zero money. You know, so you've got to do that. The second thing is, you, there's going to be setbacks. So, you know, make sure that you... Look, look out for them, expect them. It doesn't, you know, everybody thinks, everybody, you've probably seen that meme where it's going, what people think success is, and it's a straight, an arrow going up at like 45 degrees. And then what success really is, and it's a, this line going all over the place that eventually goes up there. Know your values, will <laughs> be the third one, obviously. I can hardly say that. Um, have the hours to put into it. You know, certainly with, again, in my business, coaches come and think they can do, one of the questions I ask, but before I'll even do a consult with somebody is how many hours have you got a week to devote to your marketing? If it's less than 10 hours, I just, you can't do it. You can't build an online business competitive unless you're prepared to put the hours in. Uh, and, And then it's be prepared to learn marketing, you know. I've heard so many coaches say, oh, I don't want to do marketing or, you know, just selling it. Oh, I don't like it. You know, it's like, all right, well, you know, a brilliant coach that doesn't understand marketing will get their ass handed to them on a plate by a bad coach who does. And they'll do it again and again or an OK, even a bad coach, because the internet's a bad, a big place. So a bad coach can go and pick new clients up that don't know each other. It's not like... You know, they're working in a small town where word of mouth will get out. So you've got to understand the marketing element of it. Otherwise, you know, because you can't help people. You know, you think about all, you know, health coaches. And I bet a lot of them go into it because they're really passionate about health and they want the country to get healthy and this is what I do. Well, you can't help those people if you can't get your message over and you do that with marketing. So oh, I'm ranting a bit now. I think that was five. <laughs> No, it definitely was. And I, I was just kind of soaking it in because that I'm just thinking about my early, early days. And I was like, yep, that was me. <laughs> so we got the five things you would tell your early coaches. What are two things that you would tell aspiring business owners, though? Just people who just wanted to like they were interested in becoming entrepreneurs. Just two things that you would let them know, like if you could go back and start over because you've you've had multiple businesses yourself. Yeah. Yeah. You you need to know these two things above everything else. Well, I, I think it's really I, I'm I'm kind of going to repeat myself, but the, the most important thing is the Seth Godin talks about. I'm sure you're familiar with Seth Godin. He talks about the dip, which you set off a business with a on a crest of enthusiasm and expectation and yeah we're off and and it goes well to begin with because you tell everybody you know and things and then suddenly the dip comes where you're going to get that where it's suddenly like oh this is actually there's going to be a point I, you know, I hesitated then because I'm thinking well are there some people that this doesn't happen I don't know but it's going to be a point where it is a business 
where there's days where you actually don't want to get out of bed to you know um, to do stuff, and or it's tough, or there's the setbacks, and every business you know has setbacks, and 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 yours isn't going to be any different. There's nobody out there that had a business just every day it got a little bit better and a little bit better. So it's kind of it's kind of being you know on, on the lookout for that and expecting it because if you know it's coming, it, it's it's when when it happens and we're not expecting it. You know, the, the unhappiness is in that gap between what we've got and what we expect. You know, the, the, it's, you know the, that's where it lies. So if we're not, so if we're expecting, it's like, you know, it's great. There's going to be, there's going to, I'm going to get knocked back and it's going to give me the chance to pick myself back up again. And that, that would be, that would be the first thing. And the second thing is just. I was going to say read, 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 but now it could be read or listen to podcasts or watch videos. I don't care. You know, for me, it's like I I listen to, uh, I probably go through two books a week. I've listened to podcasts, you know, when I'm out on, on business, on marketing. I'm just, you've got to be a lifelong learner. You cannot stop on this stuff because it's not stopping. The internet is stopping. You, know, you mentioned before we came on air about Clubhouse, and I was thinking, because I was telling life coaches, just leave it, just leave it, just leave it, just wait. Everybody was panicking. Got to get on Clubhouse. We've got to get a, you know, get that invitation to get on Clubhouse. And it's just like that FOMO thing. And like now I'm not sure about Clubhouse. But anyway, the internet is moving fast, and you have to, you know, at 60, I feel like sometimes, can people stop inventing stuff just for like a couple of years? Let me catch up. Just hang on a minute. You know, I was reading about AI, this new, I've got to remember what it's called now, this new this new image thing that's just been launched the last couple of weeks. It's breaking, going berserk, you know, with the computer-generated images or what have you. Um, so, yeah, just keep keep on top of things. Don't Don't ever think you're there because the minute you're there, you're actually back there and you can't see me that point. Tim, I've, I've loved talking to you. I mean, honestly, and I, I knew this was going to be a great conversation when I first discovered you. Um, not only because of your experience, but just because uh, just the flexibility that you have with everything. Um, so before I, before we wrap up and I want to give people, give you a chance to talk about your offers. I did have a couple questions that came up as we were going on. Um, you mentioned, uh, we know you write a lot of books. I did want to ask because a lot of people, especially in the world of marketing, sales, in, in the internet, in, internet of things in general, IoT people mm-hmm. out there, that was a that was a pun for you. Um, would you say that the information or that you wrote about the content that you wrote about, even in the nineties, uh, would you say it's still relevant today? I think the fundamentals are relevant. Yeah, you know, I so so I think. I actually went back and, and um, I, I can't think which book it was now, one of the uh, Jack Trout books, one of the really old books on marketing. It was some, I can't even think what it's called now. And I went back and had a, I, had a look, I was just flicking through it um, about six months or so, and this book was written back in the 30s, and it's still relevant. It's like some of the David Ogilvy stuff. You know, if you go and read um, Ogilvy on advertising, which is like seminal work on that, which was written in the 50s, is still relevant now. So I think the, you know, the basic underlying principles of marketing and sales remain fairly constant. There may be tweaks and stuff. It's the technology that sits on top of it 
that kind of masks the view of the, it's really about doing the basic stuff. So it's still there. It still goes back to sales. It's still about what, what sales? Well, it's just providing solutions to problems. That's it. You break it down to that. Yeah, some technical elements, but nothing too much. It's So, yeah, the fundamentals will remain. If you, if you learn those, then just keep on top of the technology. Excellent. You kind of you kind of hit question number two for me there. Um, I know you didn't mean <laughs> to, but because um, I was actually going to follow up with the techn- uh, the technological piece, because as you mentioned, you're a bit more seasoned, but you've you've kept up great. Um, mm. You understand technology better than a lot of people my age or younger, I would say. Uh, would you credit that to being a lifelong learner or would you just saying or would you or do you think it, it's something else? No, I think it's it, it's. I mean, I am a lifelong learner. I mean, that's just, and, and I think that's something I'm lucky with in that I look, if I don't know something, it drives me nuts. I've got to research and find it and understand it. But, so I think that's that's fortunate that I'm wired that way, that I just want to learn stuff. But I think also it's that I'm fairly focused in what I learn. So I, I've got an Instagram account that every now and then some of them follow me on Instagram. I've never used it. You will not get me on. I cannot, I haven't got the bandwidth to learn another platform. You know, I've got a Twitter account that I use very effectively between 2008 and about 2011. I think I've still got almost 5,000 followers. I just use it now to read and cut, follow comedians and sport and some news and what have you. I just never post if it. If it is, it's banal, random nonsense. You know, so it's basically focus on one or two things. Yeah, I was going to mention Clubhouse. I was telling to coaches, look, don't start going trying to do that when you haven't mastered the platform you're already on. You know, you, you, I'll see coaches and they're on LinkedIn, they're on Twitter, they're on Instagram. They start, they're, oh, I need to go on TikTok. No, you don't. You're not doing any of them well at the moment. Do one really well and then move over. So I couldn't design a website in. Well, I probably could. But I've, I never have. I, it's, you know, I'd have to go and learn it. I'm not interested. I'll outsource that. You know, don't ask me to do your accounts. I've got to even do my own. I've got somebody else to do that. You know, so it's it's focusing on what I'm good at and what can add value. And then, out, you know, if anything, if I can hire somebody for less than $100 an hour to do what I do, I'm going to hire somebody to do it because that's what my that's when I'm not working with a client. That that's the figure I have in my head. If I can get somebody less than hundred dollars now, then I'm going to do it. Unless it's something I just love to do. Great words of wisdom. Um, so fall season's coming up here, or actually will be in it by the time we release this episode. Uh, can you give our can you give our listeners a little bit of kind of a taste of what you got planned um, for this season, and you know best ways to reach you? Um, obviously, we're going to have your contact information in the notes, but. Um, you know, we really like to know about what you got planned for yourself. Yeah, well, I've just, I've just actually um, changed sites, so I've just migrated. So my website for the last seven or eight years was just called Coach the Life Coach, and I've just moved over to the the fullybookcoach.com. Um, so I launched the new site in July, um, and so only um, just just relatively recently. And then I do a course every um, twice a year, the Fully Book Coach course. Well, it's obviously was Coach Life Coach before, but it's a new course. It's the first one that I've launched for this site, uh, which which, which we uh, starts on October the twenty third. 
I'm hoping it'll be sold out by this. I it's not, I've not even opened it yet. There's only 12 places. Still, it's a live course. And to be honest with you, Ian, I, I have nothing else to sell people. <laughs> you know, I just, most of mine is one-on-one -on -one work. And I do run masterminds that tend to be invite only. Um, you know, and like I said, and then the live course. I plan on doing a digital course, but I've been planning on that for two years. I plan on doing a podcast, but I, you know, I just, there's always stuff that, that, that comes up, like a pandemic and moving continents, you know, yeah, well, like that. Well, you know, in six, in six different living um, arrangements in six months. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, Tim, it's been an honor to talk with you today. Um, everyone out there, you know, I, you know, not to repeat myself, but you, the experience and just the overall knowledge that you get from guys like Tim, especially today. I mean, it's, it's incredible. And I hope that you really take something from here and go out and really apply them to yourselves. And as always, if you're struggling and or you need a little bit more clarity, feel free to reach out to Tim. Obviously, he's open to one-on-one -on -one coaching. And um, can, can, I, can I say one more thing before you wrap up? Okay, so I don't know if you do. I hope I'm not overstepping. That. I don't know if you ever do competitions with your with your listeners. But I was going to say I'll give you three copies of the Clarity Method. It'll be the digital version because I've hardly got any hard copy left. Uh, three copies to the first three people that share this this. Um, this episode on social and let you know and tag you there we go well hey we got a little competition for you tag and share hey he's got three digital copies waiting for you right now <laughs> well tim like i said it was an honor and uh i'm sure our paths will cross again the uh, the world is very small yeah thanks mate I've, I've really enjoyed talking to you thank you something truly unexpected happened when i started filming this show I knew that I would learn from my guests, but I never imagined that I would learn so much. Um, Tim, you know, he may not know it, but he truly has changed the way that I look at how I define success and how I define goals. Um, nothing against smart goals, but really after digging into the clarity method and about those values, I truly approach business and coaching in a totally different way. And I can't wait to see the fruits of the labor. So, Tim, from the bottom of my heart, I want to thank you. And for all our guests out there, I really hope that you take advantage of Tim's offer. Remember, the first three listeners that tag me in this episode and share it will receive a digital copy of Tim's The Clarity Method. You will not regret it, I promise. And as always, make sure you hit my line when it comes to those socials, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat. Um, TikTok's on there, too. I'm still going to find a cousin or somebody to do a cute little dance for y'all. It won't be me. It'll be somebody else. Thank you for your continued viewership, and I want to thank you for the comments and the emails that you send. I do take the time to review them, and I do take them into consideration when I go out and look for new guests. With that said, thank you for the love and support, everyone, and remember to stay cool, world. We are definitely bigger than Phoenix now. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. 
But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.